moving. Today, we are going to look at the end of chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, uh, and today we're talking about families. How many of you guys have a family? You got a family around. Well, maybe your family's a little bit like, like Jesus' family. Uh, it certainly has some uh, struggles as we will see today. Today we're talking about Jesus identifying who his true family is, or this new family that he's come to create, the family of God. When you think about the word family, uh, it brings up lots of different emotions and thoughts, right? Some of you guys had families that were filled with laughter and joy and support. Some of us come from families that when you think back of your family childhood, you're like, man, it was pain and difficulty and frustration, perhaps disappointment. The good news is that Jesus has given us an invitation to be a part of his family. Uh, families are big. Some families are small Uh Right? They come with all kinds of challenges. Sometimes they're a little dysfunctional. Can I get a hmm? Right? Some look perfect, you know, on the Instagram. And then you're like, you know what? They all have challenges. They all certainly have struggles and maybe a little dysfunction. Uh, it, it's just not real to have a family that is perfect. Uh, how many of you guys remember George Burns? He played, he played God, I think, in a movie called Oh God. He said something about families. Anyone remember George Burns? Thank you. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, he, said, he said this about families. He said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. <laughs> Maybe you have a family like that. Well, Jesus had a family. You know, after uh, Mary gave birth to Jesus, she was born, or she gave birth to Jesus. She was a virgin when she uh, was, you know, spoken to by that angel who said, you're going to bring the Son of God into the world, the Messiah. You're to give him the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. After Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, they had other children. He had brothers, he had sisters. Uh, and we got their opinion last week. We talked about two accusations that came from family. The first was from his family and friends. And they were saying, in fact, both accusations come from these words that they continued to say, was that he has lost his mind. So that's what his family and friends thought about Jesus. Uh, we also get, you know... Um, the other group of people, the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders who came to Jesus, uh, the, their, their idea that Jesus, uh, he wasn't, um, he didn't lose his mind, he was evil. He was actually uh, not doing these miracles by the hand of God or by God himself. He was actually doing them uh, because he was filled with the devil. In fact, he was doing these things as the, filled with the chief of demons is what they said. Uh, his disciple or his family wanted him to be rescued, right? They brought an intervention team. Uh, the other group, the religious leaders, they said, you're filled with the devil. They were in danger of committing the unforgivable sin. But these accusations, though they're different, they had a lot of similarities. The modes were different, but the end game was the same. The goal was the same. Prevent Jesus from continuing his work. And it reveals that they not only have a misunderstanding of his person and mission, like who he was and what he had come to do, but they also reveal their unbelief. And so here we have the follow-up, if you would, uh, at the end of chapter 3. The friends and family, Jesus, you need to come home with us. They came to seize him. Well, now his mother and his brothers are outside where Jesus is continuing to teach and to challenge the religious leaders. And, uh, and here's what they say. 
It says in verse 31, And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him, and they called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who sat around him, that's his disciples that were by his feet, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now this would have been a statement that certainly made headlines and shockwaves during that time period, but all down through the centuries as Jesus talks about who is the family, who's a part of my family. The disciples were gathered there. Many others had pressed in around him. You can read about the, the corresponding passages, Luke chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 12, where we see Jesus is continuing to teach and to challenge the religious leaders. And his disciples are there. He had already picked his apostles, and there they were with Jesus. And Jesus has this, you know, moment in time as he's teaching, his family shows up to interrupt what's going on here. They stayed outside. But they sent a message, and by the end of it, you know, like there's someone in there, like, you know, like, hey, who's here? Oh, it's Jesus' mother and his brothers, and like, you know, hey, man, can you tell Jesus, like, his mom and his brothers are here? And it kind of went on down the way. Everybody knew what was going on at this point. Jesus' mom, Mary's outside, his brothers are outside, and, uh, and they want a word with Jesus, right? And so someone says, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here. And the Pharisee stands up like, ooh, Jesus, you're busted, right? When your mom shows up, you're in a lot of trouble. Everyone's expectation is that Jesus would comply. He would say, hey, guys, you know what? Let me park it right here. I'll share a little bit more afterward, but let me go outside and take care of this or really comply with their wishes and leave the will of God and actually go home with them because, gee, my family thinks I'm nuts and I've lost it. He doesn't comply. Uh, because their request is based on a wrong conclusion of who he is. Even though Mary had received, you know, an angelic message that she herself as a virgin gave birth to a son, and they called him Jesus, and all the surrounding moments, you know, when you read through the beginning of the Gospels, and, you know, uh, this old man that came and picked up uh, Jesus on the eighth day when he was circumcised and, and, and began to prophesy and talk about the mission of this kid, you know, all of that, she still had confusion in her own heart about who Jesus really was or what his mission was to be. His brothers, we read last week in John's Gospel, chapter 7, they actually didn't believe that he was the Messiah, right? Can you, I mean, we all have sibling rivalries if you grew up. In, can you imagine having Jesus as your older brother? Mom's like, why can't you be more like your brother? Oh, like the son of God? Okay, well, I'm working on it, Mom, I'm working on it. Well, they didn't believe in him. They're like, hey, why don't you go to the feast and do your miracles there? That way everybody can see and they can believe. And then John follows up because they themselves didn't believe. By the way, all of them become believers. Jude, the little book of Jude and the book of James, those are his brothers. I would have been way more, like when it says like James, he starts talking in his book or Jude. I would have said like Jude, the brother of Jesus, the son of God. But they don't do that. Here they are outside. And Jesus he takes this interruption to teach a lesson. And he asks the question, he just lets it dangle out there. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Who's my family? 
What is the true family that I've actually come to bring, this, this new family, if you would, this brand new family, this spiritual family that, that Jesus is creating here? Who is in the family? There's a lot of hard sayings in the Bible. Have you ever read a verse in the Bible and you're like, that's too much. That's a lot. What do I do with this? Well, there's a lot of hard sayings of Jesus. This certainly is one of them. When he says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Everybody's pondering it. Then he gives the true answer. Who is my family? And his answer was shocking in any culture, but especially in this Jewish culture where family is sacred. And our day two family is sacred, right? Uh, was it uh, Michael Corleone? He said, uh, Fredo, don't ever go against the family. Does anyone know what I'm referencing right now? Right? Family is sacred. It's the way it is in our world. It's the way it is. The family, the family unit, how vital and important the family unit is for the success of a community, a nation, and certainly our world. But man, this was shocking to hear Jesus says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? We'll talk about you know, what he wasn't saying there. Can you imagine Mary hearing that? Who, who's my mother? You know, Jesus is like maybe 31, 32 at this moment. Began his ministry at 30. He left the family business, by the way. We don't know where his dad is. In, at this, after his, his 12th year of living on earth, uh, Joseph is out of the picture. So we assume that he passed away. And here's, here's Jesus, little siblings, Mary, and he is a carpenter to actually help fund his family. He leaves the family business. He starts preaching and traveling around, doing miracles, getting in confrontation with the religious leaders, the establishment. And his family's just like going, Jesus, what happened at year 31? Who is my mother? I'm, your, I'm the one who gave birth to you. I'm the one who had the promise of an angel that you shall bring forth the son of God. He will deliver his people from their sins. All the things that Mary had to deal with, the gossip, uh, you know, we just assume, right, that everybody had a nativity in their front yard, right? Right after Jesus was born. Year two, there it is, right there on QVC or Amazon, you can order it. Like, oh, everybody knows Mary, the Virgin Mary, right? Everybody gossiped about her. There's parts in the, new, uh, in the, the other Gospels where, where they actually uh, refer to Jesus as, as a, uh, you know, a bastard. that he, We know our father, but we don't know who your father is because the rumor was that you know, Mary got pregnant and nobody knew who the father was. Can you imagine as a teenage girl, that weight of being, I'm bringing the Son of God in. It's going to be a difficult life. And as the old man held Jesus as an eight-year-old boy, he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul. How's that for a promise, right? For a mom. Who's your mother? The shock of his siblings. Is Jesus being dismissive of family ties? Is he promoting dishonoring one's family? Isn't honor your father and mother like a top 10 command, Jesus? What are you saying? Well, the answer simply is no. Jesus is not saying be dismissive of your family. It's important, by the way, uh, to let Scripture interpret Scripture. This is why we need to be students of our Bible. You can watch a TV preacher and he can go, here's this verse right here. It says, send a lot of money. You're like, I don't think that that means what you think it means. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, Scripture interprets Scripture. So be a student of God's Word. Read all of God's Word and certainly check uh, out when you're reading books, you're listening to people talk about spiritual things. Man, check it with the truth and make sure that you're actually listening and believing something that is true. 
So we let Scripture interpret Scripture. What is Jesus saying when he asks the question, who's my family? Well, here's what he's not saying. If you're taking notes, number one, it says, Jesus is not promoting the neglect of one's family and God-given responsibilities. He's not saying treat your family poorly, break ties with them. They're no longer your, con- uh, your concern because now you're a part of the church and you're a Christian and now you're a follower of God, even though some people may take it t- to that level. Families are a gift from God, especially good ones, right? I mean, families are such a gift from the Lord. You think about uh, the love and the support and the protection that you can have from a good, healthy family. There's a proverb that says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. That's something that I know personally, Tammy and I've seen it with our own three boys, you know, to, to see our, our own three boys love and support each other. It's so, such a beautiful thing. People ask us like, how did you guys raise three boys that love and support each other? It's like, we have no idea, okay? That's our book. Our, our blog is, we have no idea, the end. <laughs> Send your money it's a lot of prayer. In fact, boy, there are some seasons, right, when, when uh, Tammy's prayer as a mother was, Lord, I pray for brotherhood. I want to see them love and support each other. And I'm telling you, there's some years when they're all teenagers, you know, you're just like going, TMI, you're going to have to like lower your expectations of that prayer because <laughs> I don't think this is, anybody have some families like that? I was the youngest of four boys, so I knew what that was a little bit about, you know, like having four testosterone-filled boys, you know what I mean? You just have to run. You have to run, Forrest, run, if you want to survive and live in that environment. These boys love each other. These boys support each other. It's so beautiful to watch. My own brother, my, one of the first people I prayed for to become a Christian uh, after I got saved was my brother Kevin. The, the amount of support and love I have from my brother is just amazing. Jesus isn't saying neglect your family, your God-given responsibilities. You know, later on, he's going to tell us in Mark, This is what God meant way back in the garden. A man shall leave his father and mother and he will be united with his wife. As the Pharisees were dangling out this question, is it cool if we divorce our wives for any reason? I mean, Moses gave us this like opportunity, like, hey, just write her a certificate of divorce and then you can say goodbye, right? Jesus says, listen, marriage is sacred. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Does that sound dismissive? And something that uh, is like, you can just sort of like, oh, now I'm a Christian. I don't have to obey these parts of the Bible. His own mother had cared for her at the cross. Here he is dying on the cross. He's hanging naked before the world. And his own dear mother, and John the Apostle, he's the only disciple that meandered back. And he looks at Mary and he says to her, woman, it wasn't derogatory. Boys, don't call your mom woman later on today. (laughs) You know what's best for you. He says, woman, behold your son. He wasn't pointing. He was on the cross. Sorry about that. And then he looks at John. He says, son, behold your mother. And it says from that time on, John took her to be uh, his own mother and, and lived with her and supported her until the day of her death. Jesus wasn't promoting neglect of one's family. Paul wrote to Timothy. There's some, like, you were talking about tough verses. Paul wrote to Timothy once and said, hey, there's some fellows that are getting idle and they actually don't want to work. Here's, the, here's what God's word says to them. If they don't work, they don't eat. How would that be uh, for a, a statement in today's world? You don't work, you don't eat. We'll give you some stuff to do to work. Another party said, listen, 
A person who's a believer, they ought to care for their own families because if they don't care for their families, he says, they denied the faith and they're worse than an unbeliever. He wrote that to Timothy. He said, spread that around and let people understand. If you're a follower of Jesus, the expectation has heightened your amount of love, concern, and servant leadership for your family. Here's a question to, to th- think about for a second. We've been talking about this idea of being a follower of Jesus. He calls his disciples to be followers of him, to be with him, and, and to spend time with him. That, that's what a disciple is. A disciple, mean, the word literally means to be a learner. A, a modern-day translation would be to be an apprentice. And the idea is that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you're an apprentice of Jesus, and you actually begin to ask questions like, Lord, how should I live out my faith in my household. If you're a young person here today, if you're an old person here today, here's a question. You and I are called to love and serve our family as he would. What might that look like in your home? Are you dishonoring your mother and your father because you're not listening to them or you're back-talking them or you're, you know, you're not honoring them? It goes for old people too, right? Honoring your father and your mother. What might it look like for you to love your wife as Christ loved the church or to respect and honor your husband? It's funny, the, it's, you know, when I became a Christian, it was, I, I, I began to try to live out my new faith with my college group. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, going on the mission trip, you like guard your words. You know what I mean? But then you sort of let your hair down when you go home. I'll never forget, I was a new Christian, my grandmother one of the greatest women uh, in our family, in our life. Uh, she was such a rock and support when my father left my mom with four boys. And, uh, and, and I remember she was moving from Sunnyside over here to like, you know, be closer to the family. And I remember I was just like, oh, I don't want to help my grandma move. Can I get like an honest amen? Right? It's, like, it's like, I don't want to go to Sunnyside. It's 35 minute drive. Herndon, the Clovis Avenue, Right. King's Canyon, it's like a long, just there, hey, there was no 180, 168, 180, like, oh, I'll be there in 10 minutes, Grandma. And I'll never forget, I'm about six months into my Christian faith. My grandma told my mom this. Now I think about it, my mom might have lied about this whole conversation. <laughs> what a manipulating mother of mine. I'm not going to ask you if you have a mom like that, so we want you to have a great day. My grandmother allegedly said, If the church had a need for someone to help move an elderly person, Gordon would be the first one to sign up. Talk about the most ultimate Jesus juke you've ever gotten in your whole entire life. I'm like going, my grandma, what big teeth you have. Like, is this my grandma? Who is this? Jesus isn't saying neglect your family. In fact, if you're a follower and a princess of Jesus, the amount of scripture that you're supposed to obey, that's where you first obey it. Don't go try to obey it out here and go, oh, I'm going to go on a mission trip. Start at home. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Honor your mother and father. Serve your family members. And, and however they have a need, it's amazing how, how, what a beautiful display of God's grace happens when we do that. So what's Jesus saying? Well, we think that Jesus is saying being a part of his spiritual family, number two, is much more important than any human relationship. And that's what he is saying. 
Our relationship to God is more important than any other person or any other thing. Our devotion to Jesus must come above even our own household. He's not saying abandon your family. He's just saying that they should never come before the will of God. The, the, you know, the living out your faith, honoring God and following after him, it shouldn't come as a second or third option to, or to allow our family to influence a person or us away from the will of God. We're to put our love and obedience to Jesus above all else. See, Jesus has a mission. It's to go to the cross. It's to lay his life down. Mark 10, 45 is like the pivotal verse of this gospel that he wrote. For the son, even the son of man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, as he'll lay his life down on the cross. Had he listened to mom and brothers and sisters, Had he listened to the Pharisees and said, oh, you guys think I'm evil, I'm filled with the devil. Oh, it hurts my feelings. To not have the support of your family in a moment, a crisis moment in the ministry of Jesus, the pressure is on. And to not have their support in that moment, hey, the will of God, it rises above what the wishes of our family is. Jesus is saying being a part of his spiritual family is of greater importance than any human relationship or anything that would try to take that number one spot in our life. So he looks at the 12 disciples. Who's my mother and my brothers? Who's my family? Right? He identifies his true spiritual family that he's creating. He looks at his followers that were there. He says, here's my family. Whoever does the will of God, he's my mother, my brother, and my sister. When you become a Christian, you are placed in a new family. And Jesus is creating this new family as he's calling people to follow him and that they are choosing to obey him and do his will by actually believing in him and laying their lives down and becoming a follower of his. It's a new family. We're bonded by the blood of Jesus and he wants all of us to experience a close, intimate relationship with him like a brother or a mother or a sister. He's expanding our understanding of what true family is. As followers of Jesus, of course we have our, our, you know, our families, our, our uh, biological families that we're with. The most beautiful thing happens is when a family, not only am I a dad, but I'm also a brother to my, uh, my sons, right? A brother in Christ. I'm not just a husband of Tammy. I'm the greatest husband. No, I'm the, I'm the brother. It's my, my sister and my spouse, Solomon said, Right? The, the beauty of this new family that you and I get. And, and if you had a jacked up home life and family life, how amazing was it for those who are listening there? Wait, I get to be a part of this family? I get to be a part of the family of God? I didn't come from this or I've been rejected because I'm a follower of Jesus now. By the way, we don't necessarily experience that if you have like multiple layers of Christian background in your family. But when a person who's of the Muslim faith that says, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, you know that that actually like disrupts the equilibrium in that family, right? Like there are brothers and sisters of Christ, in Christ that you and I have that are actually becoming followers of Jesus and it costs them more than just some followers on Instagram because you posted a Jesus is alive on Easter Sunday, right? It costs some of them their lives. 
You go and check out the, you know, the, the story of martyrs. It's like a, you think like, oh, way back in the 1600s, Christians were followers of Jesus and they you know, were killed because of their faith. We're talking real-time stuff happening right now. It actually costs something to be a follower of Jesus. Well, the people that heard that are just like, man, you gain brothers and sisters that you never had or should have had. I love what Psalm 68, 6, such an incredible little verse tucked away in the book of Psalms. It talks about the father heart of God, that, that those who were you know, orphans, he takes in to, as a family. And then he says, and God places the lonely in families. To be a follower of Jesus, you get this expanded, you know, uh, new family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus is saying that this new bond with the Lord himself and their brothers and sisters, it's elevated above any other thing, the kingdom of God and doing his will above any other thing in life. For some of you, right, you hear that and you go, wow, maybe you've even experienced it as a believer. You're like, man, the love and care from a Christian brother or sister has meant more to me than the support or lack of it from my own siblings. It's amazing how when you meet someone who's a Christian, and you might not even speak their language, but it's just like there's this like this bond that you feel, this kinship that you feel with them. Times that we've been, you know, across the, when I went to Haiti, you know, we partnered with uh, 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 Haiti Go, Haiti, Haiti Gospel Outreach. Be praying for those guys, as you guys might have heard. Haiti has some, well, Haiti's always messed up. They got all kinds of problems, but their president was assassinated a few weeks back. And uh, the ministry that we're a part of, it's more up in the hills, three, four hours away from Port-au-Prince. Nonetheless, it's just a, a, a nation in chaos. When I went to Haiti, you know, I, I, I learned a couple words, bonjibong. I think that means, I don't know, like where's Starbucks, something like that. And, uh, and, you know, we learned some other words, you know, like something about Jesus, I think, and, you know, things I ought to learn as I was uh, speaking a couple times. It was amazing, these, you know, Jebby, we've had Pastor Jebby here uh, come and share. Jebby's the one who had a, tum- a tumor removed from his heart that was cancerous and still comes for some treatment. A beautiful soul, pastoring an incredible church, uh, or, or orphanage that's growing, unfortunately, because of the need in this community. And man, spend like five days with those guys sweating in Haiti. It's amazing. I just feel like this bond that you just, when I see him, I just feel like, dude, you're f- my family, right? He speaks English, so that's the cool part about him. We can actually communicate. It's just amazing, this, this connection. You should be experiencing that as your life as a follower of Jesus and not stiff-arming relationships because you're afraid to get close, but actually going in, there's a wealth of support that God wants to give me, but it also comes through human channels who love me and are trying to follow the Lord as well. Some of you guys have had to lose family relationships because your fa- your faith in Jesus. You said, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, and your family's like, okay, it's weird, man. Like, we, we don't get it. Can you, like, pump the brakes a little bit? God's will above everything else. This, this spiritual family is more important than any other thing or any other human relationship is what Jesus is saying here. Don't give up though because Jesus' own brothers became followers, became great leaders in the church, right? Uh, James the first to actually be a martyr um, to give his life for the gospel we read in the book of Acts. Don't give up praying for your family. Uh, there's still hope. Be a, a, an example to them. Serve them and love them. Follow Jesus 
before their eyes, and it's amazing how you might see them come to know the Lord. Uh, but boy, family's the hardest group of people to reach, right? If we're honest, you go tell someone across the seas, like, hey, Jesus loves you. They're like, yeah, so does my mom. Get out of here, right? You tell your family, like, hey, I just want to sit down and talk to you about the gospel. And then they know your buttons to push, and you're just like, I don't want to fist fight you when I'm telling you about Jesus, but I will, right? So that's how you need, if that's how you, you need Jesus like that, okay, that's the only way you're going to hear. They're the hardest ones to reach, but it's so beautiful when they become your brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's the last thing that Jesus is saying to us. He's saying that, that the, I, the way you identify a being a part of my family is through your obedience to God. Those who are obey God's will are the ones who are actually a part of the family. You're not in because of family ties. Even Jesus' mother and brothers and sisters, they had to enter this new beautiful family the same way everyone else does. What is doing God's will? Well, it's to believe and follow him. John writes to us in first, or chap, John chapter 1, he says, that Jesus, he says, he came to, into his world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, the Jewish people, and even they rejected him as a nation. But to all who believed him and accepted him, listen to this, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You have to be reborn spiritually. You're not just automatically born a Christian and in the family of God because you grew up in America, or excuse me, America. America. Because you had a six-pack of Bud Light in your, in your cooler. That doesn't make you a Christian, right? Although it feels like some of my family members might think that. Who's part of the family of God? Those who do God's will. Many want to believe that we're all God's children, and thus, all will be saved and enjoy God's kingdom forever. I think we've heard that sentiment, that sort of like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm into spirituality, right? Who's in? Jesus lets us know who's in. You think about that, that, it, that it's called universalism. So in the end, everyone's going to be saved, whether you are a follower of Jesus or you were a follower of rocks or trees or whatever you did on the weekends, didn't do on the weekends. All of us are going to be in God's kingdom one day because we're all God's children, wouldn't that be like a nice little magical wand, right? Here's a great question. Then why preach? Why call people to repentance? Why show up for church and try to change and grow as a human being and obey God? Why do any of those things if in the end everybody makes it to the party? Here's the reality. Jesus makes it clear. Who's in the family? Who gets to be a part of this spiritual family? Those who do God's will. This isn't saying, by the way, do enough good deeds and then God's going to see like, okay, you really been trying, so you get to be a part of the kingdom. Here's the, we know from scripture, again, scripture interprets scripture. The only way for you and I to be saved is to have a simple faith in Jesus. Here's what he tells us in Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward of the good things that we have done, but... Uh, 
not of the good things we've done so that none of us can boast about it. When we all get to heaven, we're going to say, hey, what are you doing here? Like, dude, I set up RVC when it was 116 last Sunday. And if you did, God bless you and thank you so much. But that's not how you get in, right? Well, my grandma played the organ. Remember that creepy instrument that churches used to have? Yeah, my grandma, she was an organist at, at her church, like at some Baptist, first, second, fifth Baptist church somewhere in Fresno. You know, that's how I'm here. My grandma, she served, right? You don't get in like that. You get in by doing God's will, and God's will is first and foremost to believe in his son, Jesus. It has nothing to do with your skin color, your nationality, your family heritage. Even his own family had no special in, right? Even though they were related, connected in a beautiful way with Jesus. They come into this new family the way all do. Faith in Jesus and turning to him. It's an invitation when Jesus says, whoever does my will, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, my sister, and my mother. What a great invitation. Whoever, whoever would believe. Remember the people that were there in that, in that space where Jesus was teaching. He had his disciples that were around him. But then he had the delegate from Jerusalem that just said, you're filled with the devil, and that's how you're able to do this power. He says, whoever would do God's will, whoever would come to me, can be a part of this new family that we've created. Except for the creepy guy in the back, right? The Pharisee who just said, I was filled with the devil himself. God's grace and mercy, it knows no bounds. I love that word in the Bible, by the way, whoever. Whoever would believe in him would not perish. Whoever would come to me, I will no no wise turn away. Right? Whoever will hear and do God's word can be a part of this family. So what does that mean? It means the first step in obedience is to believe and trust Jesus to save and to forgive us. And then these, you know, we all know that. I mean, it's nothing more beautiful than, you know, to watch uh, a, you know, a, a loving family situation happening. We've got beautiful little Casey over here who is uh, a great little baby boy. What a cool name that is. And I put him to sleep along with a few of you um, on a Sunday morning. It's my privilege. So awesome to see a mom, isn't it? Like, and then what's really awesome is to see a Gigi like holding a granddaughter for the first time. And God, and, and Jesus uses that kind of language to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know the love of a mother. I know the bond of a brother. The, the, the fellowship and oneness with a sister. You know what I mean? You're telling me, Jesus, that you feel that way about us? You welcome me in like that? It's not like, you know, we get to boss him around. Hey, I'm your mother. Remember that's what you said in Mark's gospel chapter three. It just means that there's this connection and the only words he could describe it are words that we all should understand. Wow, that kind of connection, Jesus? I'm a filthy sinner. Why would you want me to be connected to you like the kind of love and connection of a mom or brother or a sister? And he extends that invitation to all of us. How dearly loved those are who come to him that he would count us as dear as a mother, a brother, or a sister to him. He says, those who are walking with me, following me, they're my family. The same as my mother and brothers and sisters. 
And the family of God is characterized by obedience, not perfection. This is where, you know, the challenges of God's word for a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus, there's stuff that should show up in our life. James talks about it. Read the book of James. It's five chapters of like a sucker punch to your throat. You're just like going, all right, let's start reading through the book of James. You're like, bam, bam, bam. Wow, I got a lot of stuff I need to grow in. He gets to one point and says, you believe in God? Good, even the demons believe. That's almost as good as my grandma's Jesus juke, right? (laughs) Oh, you believe in one God? Good, so the demons. And they shudder. They actually have more reverence for God. He talks about Faith without works isn't real faith. You claim you're a follower of Jesus at the house level is where it starts, right? You're attempting to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You're attempting to honor and respect your husband as unto the Lord. You're attempting to uh, honor your father and your mother. What if we just said, Lord, I'm only going to obey, I don't like discard the rest of it, but I'm going to start there for, for the rest of 2020, 2021, the rest of this year, I'm just going to park on trying to live out this apprenticeship by obedience to how you're calling me to love my family. Amazing how, uh, what an impact it would be. If people are like going, what's different about you guys? Man, it's that we're all trying to follow Jesus. We're all trying to be more and more like him, and he gives me the power to actually become that. Obedience is a a revelation that you belong to the Lord. You're a part of his family. It's not the means to entering the family of God. Faith is. The root is faith, but the fruit is obedience. Lord, I'm trying to live for you and honor you. Chapter 3 ends with a big contrast, doesn't it? He says, the religious leaders, you guys are in danger of committing the unforgivable sin because he said he was filled with the devil himself and that's where all his power was. They were rejecting everything that God's word and all that the Holy Spirit was saying to them about Jesus saying, believe in him and follow him and turn your life over to him. You too could be a part of this family. That contrast between those guys and then this invitation, whoever would do the will of God can be a part of my family. What a great invitation to be a part of the family of God. Here's some takeaways I want you to process. We know Jesus didn't say reject your family, so as a Christian, you have a huge responsibility to love and serve your family. I want you to wrestle with that this week. What does that look like? To love and serve and honor my, uh, my commitment to Jesus and how it fleshes out with my family. Some of you don't have family that knows the Lord. Some of, you, some of you have family that does not know the Lord. I have an English-speaking, uh, English-speaking wife. I have an English-speaking wife. I have a <laughs> She's also an English teacher, so I'll get my corrections. Second service is going to be way better, by the way. As a Christian, you have a huge responsibility. How are you living that out? What example are you giving to them? that you're living out your faith before them. Keep loving them, keep serving them, keep praying for them. Again, in Jesus' case, and I think that we can make the the case here today that they're the hardest ones to reach. The second lesson is, hey, family must be viewed in light of our highest priority, which is loving and obeying God. The call to be a disciple, where your whole life uh, is given over to him. And some people in your family, they won't understand. Is there something that you 
are holding back from, like going all in with God because, gee, I don't know what my spouse is going to think or what my kids are going to think or what my, my mom or my dad or my siblings are going to think about me. Jesus says, listen, the family of God is in, in that priority takes precedence over any of your family's wishes or desires for your own particular life. Of course, when a person becomes a Christian in a non-Christian family, everybody wants you to pump the brakes because they feel guilty and feel like, like, oh man, the equilibrium shifted. Now they're following Jesus and they're talking to me about Jesus, right? Keep serving the Lord. Make him the highest priority because that's the most important relationship that you and I have. And the third lesson is that we learn that God desires that all would come to him and be a part of his family. The question is, as Jesus draws a line in the sand, here's who's in the family. Those who do and obey the will of God, who believe in him and follow him with their life. There's an old Sunday school uh, song. I don't know how it goes because I got saved as a senior in high school. One door and only one, and yet its sides are two. Inside and outside, on which side are you? That's a true statement. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's an important question for them to wrestle with. It's an important question for us to wrestle with. There's one door, two sides. There's people on the inside. They've believed in Jesus and they've committed their life to him. And they're a part of the true family of God. And then there's those who are on the outside. What side are you on today? Have you, have you fully allowed the Lord to take over your life? Have you committed your life to him? Maybe you're watching today on TV or you're watching this later on uh, throughout the week and you answer that question, man, what side am I on? Am I, am I on the Lord's side? Am I part of his family? Have I surrendered my heart to him and believed in him and asked him to forgive me? Or am I still on the outside? Well, I've got questions and there's some things that I'm wrestling with and I don't want to give this just up yet. Can I encourage you right now? The invitation is for everyone, but there's a moment in time when that door shuts and that opportunity is gone. Maybe today's a day God is calling you to come on the inside and be a part of his family. What did he do to get you there? Well, he died for your sins, for one. Everything that your sin deserved, he took on him, his own self when he hung on the cross. How do you become a Christian? Well, you recognize you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead. And you ask him to come into your life. You invite him to be your Lord and your Savior. It's a simple prayer you pray. There's nothing magical about it. It's, it's really just, Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner. God, today I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I'm choosing today to turn away from my old life, and now I want to go in your direction. God, I want to follow you. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's simple faith. Maybe that's your moment today to say, God, I want to step on the other side and I want to be a part of the family of God where you've forgiven me and made me your child and allow me to be a part of this greater family of God for all eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, today for Lord, so many great moments, Lord, hearing all that you're doing, God, in uh, the Central Valley Justice Coalition with Jessica and their whole team, Lord, the beautiful laughter of the kids ministry going on right now, Lord, as kids are having fun, Lord, and um, enjoying time with you, mask-free. Thank you, Lord, for that, as well as learning about you, God, today. And Father, right now, we've opened your word, God. We've spent time worshiping together. 
And Lord, we've been challenged with, Lord, your statement, who's my family? And Lord, the beautiful invitation you give, whoever would do the will of God. They're as close to you as a mother, a brother, or a sister. They're a part of your kingdom, your family. And Lord, I pray for those. God, there might be one person here today that needs to step into your kingdom. They need to choose to leave their old life, believe in you today, and follow you. I pray, God, even now, as you're stirring their hearts, God, that there would be one or more, God, that today would say yes and be a follower of yours. Lord, I pray you'd bless them and speak to their hearts, God, and each and every one of us, Lord, the takeaways that you have spoken to our heart, God, may we seek to live them out today and every day the rest of this week. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, as we're going to stand and, and, and close in a song of worship, we also have an incredible uh, uh, ice cream truck outside for everybody to enjoy. Uh, it's our gift to you on a hot day and the fact that the Lord makes you live in Fresno. So we want to kind of soften that blow a little bit. But maybe today, maybe another time you've said, yeah, Lord, I give you my life. I want to follow you. Would you let us know that? Let us know. Send us a direct message or email us if you're watching online or if you're here this morning. Fill out that little connection card. Say, today I made a decision to follow Jesus. I want to get, get in touch with you and give you some tools that will help you grow as a follower of Jesus. Let us know that. God bless you guys. Let's all stand.